0: We're going to be looking at a series continuation this morning, over the past probably six weeks we've been looking at the concept of freedom. That as a church, God desires for us not to be hemmed in or squashed or restricted, but us to be free. I will unpack a, a probably a difficult subject this morning, but I think it's a vital and essential subject as we look at being free in Christ. Uh, on the screen you have the word habit. And we're going to be looking this morning at habits. This poor guy on the screen is buying his players. Some people chew gum, some people do other things. The thing is, all of us at some point in our lives have had had habits in our lives that have restricted us from being the men and women that God intends to be. So when you have a habit, you can work work really hard. Press the button, Jonathan. You can work really hard, and I just want... That's for everything that has. Okay, you can work really hard but you've still got a bit left. You can get advice and get annoyed by the pastors but you can still have a bit left. You can beat yourself up about how bad you are and you can bully yourself into submission and take away the B, but it's still left. It's not until you take away the I, that you see the cross. Stone money, money. It's not until the I is taken away and we say, God, I'm putting myself to death, that we can see the power of the cross in our lives. And maybe today you've been strung with a habit for years and years and years, but never, ever managed to get free. See, some habits can be broken for the rest of your lives but some habits are a battle for the rest of your lives. I'll say that again. Some habits can be broken for the rest of your life, but other habits can be a battle for the rest of your life. When I was 17 years old, I was sat in a public house in Grantham called the black dog. I was drinking my pint of Bateman's Mild, as I do, did. And I'd just been to the cigarette vending machine and bought myself 17 B&H, which for those who are initiated, that's Benson and Hedges cigarettes. It was a vending machine, so I only got 17 cigarettes, not 20 cigarettes, for my like £2, whatever it was. And as I lit up my first cigarette, I'd just become a Christian about two weeks beforehand. As I lit up my first cigarette, I heard the voice of God speaking to my heart. And he said, Adrian, I don't want you to smoke. He didn't say to me, Thou shalt not smoke. It wasn't the chastisement of an angry God. It was the compassionate plea of a loving Father. And the God we serve is not angry wanting to beat us up over our failures and our mistakes. It's a compassionate Father who longs to heal us and to restore us and to make us whole. And I said to God, God, I've tried to give up. I've done herbal cigarettes. Not dodgy ones, just normal herbal cigarettes. (laughs) I've tried to go through all the and I just can't break it. But if you will take over the desire from the heart, I know I can be free. And a sense of God in that moment did a work in my heart. And I gave the 16 random cigarettes to my friend Keith. I said, here are, Keith. He said, what's these for? I said, I'm a non-smoker. Uh-huh. And in the moment, the power of nicotine broke over my life. Now some of us it happens in the moment, others it happens over a period of years. and it's a constant battle. But in both situations, God is able to help us and sustain us through the things that we face. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 4, it says this. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. The imagery is taken from Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane where he sweats drops of blood and says, God, I don't want to go through this thing. I can't face the cross. Yet it says... Yet, Father, not my will, but be done, but Yours. Sometimes, what we want, our desires, our cravings, our longings, our needs, have to be put in submission to Christ. It's not about what we want, and sometimes we have to learn to die to ourselves that we may live for Him. This morning, I don't want to focus on external habits like chewing gum or smoking or picking your nose. I don't want to, don't look at those issues this morning no I could but I won't I want to focus on the hidden issues in our lives see we've got many sins that are visible to everybody and you can list mine I'm sure but inside our hearts we've things that we've buried we've hidden we've tried to cover over and God wants to heal those things in our hearts not condemn us not blame us but to heal us see the devil loves to keep things a secret But when we bring these things to the light, the light itself brings that healing power to change the situation. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to look at a passage in Joshua chapter 7, verses 2 to 26. Manny, can you pass me a Bible, please? I have left it on the front row. (laughs) That's terrible. Okay, Joshua chapter 7. It's a great story. It's quite a long passage, but I'll just read it quickly if you want to follow it it's Joshua chapter 7 verse 2 through to 26 now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai which is near Beth-Avon to the east of Bethel, and told them go up and spy out the region so the men went up and spied out Ai when they returned to Joshua they said not all the people will have to go up against Ai send just two or three thousand to take it and do not weary the rest of the people for only a few men are there so about 3,000 men went up, but they were routed or routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell down with his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there until evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Our sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Oh Lord, what can I say? Now that Israel has been routed by its enemies, the Canaanites and all the other people of the country will hear about this. They will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned and they have violated my covenant which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things they have stolen and they have lied and they have put them with their own possessions. This is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever is among you which is devoted to destruction. Verse 13. Go and consecrate yourselves. Tell them, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, in preparation for tomorrow, for the Lord for this is what the Lord, which is, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. That which is diverted among you, O Israel, you cannot stand against your enemies until you remove it. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe, and the tribe that the Lord takes shall come forward clan by clan. The clan that the Lord takes shall come forward family by family, and the family that the Lord takes shall come forward man by man. He who is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire, along with all the things that belong to him. For he has violated the covenant of the Lord and done a disgraceful thing in Israel. Early in the morning, Joshua and the Israelites came forward tribe by tribe, and Judah was taken. The clans came forward of Judah, and the Zerahites were taken. Then the clan of the Zerahites came forward family by family and Zimri was taken. Joshua had his family come forward man by man and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, the son of Judah was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord and the God of Israel and give him praise. Tell me, what have you done? Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, it's true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. But I saw in the plunder at Jericho, I saw a beautiful robe from the Babylonians. 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and I took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was, hidden in his tent. And the silver underneath... They took the things from the tent, they brought them to Joshua, and all Israel spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all of Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, with the silver, the robe, and the gold, and his sons and daughters, his cattle, his donkeys, and his everything, his tent, to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble upon you. Then all of Israel stoned him. And after they stoned him they burned them and over Achan the heat of a large pile of rocks which remains to this day the Lord turned from his fierce anger and therefore that this place has been called the valley of Achor ever since are you still with me it's a great passage thing is in Joshua chapter 6 Israel had just performed the most amazing victory They'd wiped out the whole of Jericho. Jericho's walls had come tumbling down. Next slide, please. But you must understand this that the moment of victory, after that moment of victory, becomes a moment of vulnerability. Someone says that in football, the most vulnerable time for any team is just after they have scored a goal. And sometimes we see amazing victories in our Christian faith. But just as those victories, we can suddenly become quite vulnerable and quite susceptible for temptation and for sin. Elijah stood on Mount Carmel. He called down fire from heaven. The fire of heaven fall, fell and the prophets of Baal were scattered. Yet four chapters verses later, he's running for his lives, fearing the wrath of Jezebel. And sometimes when we win great victories, we're at the most vulnerable immediately after. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12, If you think you are standing firm, be careful you don't fall. When we think, oh this is easy, I've got this sauce, I'm okay, I don't need anything else, I'm alright. It's at that moment that we become vulnerable. In Joshua chapter 7 verse 2 and 5, it says that, Joshua saw this small town of Ai. It was a small town. It was easy to be conquered. He had this confidence. He thought, I can win this battle without much effort, without any prayer, without any preparation. And just go in and win this battle. But when he got there, he found out that there was a flaw in the people's character. There was sin in the camp. And because of that sin in the heart of Israel, they could not even beat a small... Town like AI. And I wonder what Joshua must have thought to himself. He thought, hang on, this isn't in the plan. This was not in the blueprint. God promised me that no one would stand against me all the days of my life. The Lord promised me that everywhere I set my foot, God would give me. So how come things have changed? I recently upgraded my broadband and I got something this great deal. No, really cheap broadband, fantastic offer, and I signed up for it. But when the bill came through last month, I realised I'd been overcharged. So I went up and said, something's wrong in my account. You promised me half price broadband, and I'm paying full price. Something was wrong, and I'm sure the same feeling was in Joshua's heart. God, you promised me success, you promised me victory, you promised me joy, you promised me peace, yet all the sea around me is death and destruction and heartache and sadness. God, what's wrong? And God says simply this, there's some sin in your heart, in the nation of Israel, that's preventing you from living in the victory. Next slide, please. There's power in holiness. When we are holy people, it gives us the divine confidence to walk in authority before our God. When you're not holy, when you're struggling with doubt and insecurity and fear and sin, it robs you of your confidence. And you just wimp through life. God says you to be strong and very courageous, but be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. See, the source of their strength is not in their numbers, but in their dedication to the Lord. The strength of our Christian walk is not in how much we know or how much we do, but to whom our hearts are connected. How close is your heart to Christ today? Have you allowed things to come in and to rob you and to destroy that peace? The Bible says, without wholeness, No one will see God. See, holiness simply means that our hearts are cleansed. That the purity and the power of God can flow through us unhindered. There's a great story told in the Old Testament in Judges about a man called Samson who got his head shaved by Delilah. And when his head was shaved, he was susceptible to the power of the enemy. Now the strength of Samson was not in his hair, but his hair symbolizes devotion to God. So as his hair was cut, he lost his Nazarite vow, he lost his commitment, his devotion to God, and therefore the glory of the Lord left him. And when we allow sin to touch our hearts as Christians, we can become powerless in battle. See, when we're holy, the Bible says, be ye holy as I am holy, says the Lord. Being holy gives us the capacity to carry the power and the presence and the purpose of God into our world. You see, David knew the strength was not in himself, but was in the name of his Lord, his God. He said this in 2 Chronicles. I come, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. You see, our next slide is this. The price of secret sins. See, if there's undealt with issues in our lives, if there's habits in our hearts, we become powerless to live dynamic Christian lives. Someone said to me it's like having a gunpowder keg tucked underneath your arm, you carry this hidden sin around for years, for months, for weeks and you think no one knows but the devil knows and God knows and the devil will wait for the opportune time to simply light the fuse on that gunpowder. So that it will cause the most damage to yourself, to your family, to your church, to your friendships, to your sense of well-being. In verse, seven, verse 13 it says this, For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. You can't win what's accommodating sin. You can't win if you accommodate sin in your life. When we ask ourselves, Lord, why are we not seeing the breakthrough in our finances? Why are we not seeing the breakthrough in our families? Why are we not seeing the breakthrough in our churches? And sometimes, because there's things hidden in our hearts that prevent us from moving into the fullness of all that God has for us. Are you carrying some gunpowder today? Is there something in your life that is explosive that, if people found out about, it would cause huge damage. See sometimes, next slide, we can be trapped in a cycle of secret sin. See God is holy. God is pure. He's spotless. But if there's regular, repeatable sin in our lives, then we cannot seem to shake ourselves free and become powerless in battle. The two verses in the first epistle of John, 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. That means that every one of us has got a bias to sin in our hearts. Every one of us is liable to fall from time to time through lapses of holiness. We sin occasionally, we fall and we stumble from time to time. But in 1 John chapter 3 verse 6 it says this, No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning and that's in the present tense it means, implies a continuation of the same sin over and over and over again. See you and me we're sinners, you and me we we fall, we fail, we make mistakes but if we keep on falling over the same sin time and time again it becomes a habit and that habit becomes ingrained in our character and our nature until it becomes part of us and then God will have to break it off our lives. See, the the one commentary says this, the believer may fall into sin, but they will not continue to walk in sin. See, we get into a cycle, we're strong in an area, we start to struggle, we then fall into temptation and sin, we then repent and become strong again. Before we know it, we're back struggling, the mass was struggling we're back into falling, falling into repenting, repenting into being strong. And the cycle goes on and on and on. And if today you're going round in circles, if there's a sin in your life, you just can't shake. You need the power of God to break that off your life today. There's power made available in Christ to set people who are captive free. Moses says to God, God, you brought us out into the desert. What are we going to do? And God says to Moses, You've been going around in circles for far too long. Going over the same ground, doing the same sins, same habits. It's time to push out north into new ground. See, God doesn't want his people to be held captive by the past or by sin. He wants us to be free. And today, you can be free. Our next slide. Kids love to bury stuff. These two kids are burying their father's briefcase. And we bought Jonathan an iPad. Jonathan, an iPad. And it's his iPad. We get to borrow it occasionally, but it's his. But sometimes he likes to hide it. And sometimes I have to wake him up and say, Jonathan, where's the iPad? Where is the iPad, Jonathan? And he's hidden it somewhere really obscure. He's only seven, but he's learned the secret of possession. <laughs> it's his. He's going to hide it. And so often we can just bury things in our lives. Achan says in verse twenty, "It's true, I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done: when I saw the plunder, in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylon. If, I, when I saw the shekels of gold, silver, and when the she, the bar of gold, I, I coveted them, I wanted them, and I took them, and they're hidden in the ground, inside my tent." What's hidden in your life today? There are two areas of our secret lives that God wants to expose this morning. There's the inner hostility that we touched upon during communion. Are you harbouring bitterness today? Are you harbouring envy? Do you suffer from temper, tantrums, road rage? Is there unforgiveness in your heart? These things aren't visible. They lie buried in our hearts. But maybe today there's an inner immorality that is hidden, that on the Sunday we smile, in at homes we smile and put on this face. But inside with the secret relationships that are wrong in our hearts that we've hung on to. There are websites we visit on the internet that are dodgy and are not helpful. The chat rooms we go to on the internet. There's late night movies, there's gambling, there's stealing. All these things we seem to be ashamed of we bury in our hearts. There was a men's conference a couple of years ago and about 600 people were there at this men's conference. It was a conference aimed at helping people tackle the problem of addiction to dodgy stuff on the internet. Whether it was videos or images or chat rooms, 600 men came to that meeting, and they were interviewed and they were asked to do an anonymous survey, and out of those 600 men, 25% of them had access to the internet for dodgy purposes the week before the conference. 41% of them had access to the internet to look at videos, films, chat rooms, images. In the past month, and over 50% had access to the internet to look at dodgy stuff in the past year. The thing is, people look at the internet, and it's the marvellous thing, it's the tool that we use for good or the tool that we use for harm. People say to me that the internet's great because it's anonymous, it's accessible, it's affordable, but it's not anonymous. Two people know about everything you do online. Three people. (laughs) You, God, and the director of Google. (laughs) Every website, every chat room, every video, every movie. So it's not anonymous because people know. People say it's accessible, it's easy to get into it. But it's really hard to leave it. People say it's affordable, it doesn't cost you anything, but it will cost you your life if you allow those things to touch and affect you. We need to learn how to protect ourselves from the constant onslaught of evil that surrounds us. Several years ago a young man in 30s came to me and said to me, Adrian I've got Sky TV. It's great. But the thing is there's loads of channels there that I can access for free, that I don't want access." And I'm on my, home, on my own at night and I've got nobody else in the house. I can easily just click on that TV and just watch all kinds of rubbish and garbage will pollute my soul. Will you come and help me? And well, I went to his house and I programmed in a password that only I knew. So he could not access those TV programs late at night. We need to protect ourselves. Because we're all human beings and we're all liable to temptation. See, this is what happens. In Joshua chapter 7 verse 21, Achan says, I saw something. I wanted it. Then I took it. The journey starts with what you look at. When you look at it, you start to desire it. When you desire it, you start to want it. And when you have it, it will kill you. We need to guard our eyes, guard our hearts and guide our hands. Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Not literally, okay. But if there's something in your life that's leading you into a path of weakness and defeated behavior, it's better to throw out your computer or throw out your subscription to the sky so that you can be free from that sort of stuff. Better to stop it before it starts. A Uncle Spurgeon, the great preacher from a bygone day, said this. You cannot stop the birds flying over your head. But you can stop them building a nest in your hair. The thing is, we are bombarded by images, by thoughts, by desires all the time. But if we allow them to take root in our hearts, it will rob us of our joy, rob us of our peace, and we'll be enslaved to sin. But God wants to set us free. God wants to set us free. The thing is, with Achan, he took this robe, he took this silver, he took this gold, and he buried it under this tent. He never enjoyed it. He never got to wear the robe, never got to spend the gold or show off the silver. And sin is like that. It makes huge promises of enjoyment and happiness. But like Achan, he never lived to enjoy them. They're just buried in his life. And sin will rob you of your joy. The things it promises will become up empty and void. But we have to stop it before it starts. The first mention in the Bible of sin is Genesis chapter 4 verse 7. Cain and Abel are coming to the Lord. And God says to Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you but you must master it thing is there's an enemy out there that seeks to crowd our door to entice us to enslave us to grab us but we must learn to master those things Paul says in 2 Chronicles 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ the word to take captive comes from the classical Greek word meaning to spear with a spear to spear with the spear. In other words, we have to get hold of the spear of God's word and pierce those thoughts. And bring them on the submission to the will of Christ in our lives. If you let your mind run riot, if you let your imagination run riot, you become a slave to those desires. We need to be men, we need to be men and women of God. who can take hold of every little thought, whatever arena it comes to us in, and hold it captive. Until it breaks. Two more slides to go. The price of freedom. The price of freedom. Only crucified believers. Can defeat the enemy. And claim their inheritance. See there's power in the cross today. Jesus died on the cross to set the captives free. But Jesus says in Luke 9.23 If anyone will come after me let him take up his cross daily and follow me. In 1st century Palestine when you saw someone taking their cross up they knew one thing. It was the end of them. Anyone carrying a cross was about to go on a one way journey to death. And we're called as Christians to bring that old life to an end the Israelites took Achan outside the camp to the valley of Achor and there they put him to death and here's a graphic picture of what we need to do if we're going to be free from those habits and sins in our lives we need to put the I to death the selfish part of you and me has to die Colossians chapter 3 says this: put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, ill desires, and greed, put them to death. Paul says in Romans 8:13, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you shall live. And Paul says in Galatians 2:20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. There's part of you, there's part of me that has to die. And if it dies, we'll be free from sin. But if it stays alive, we'll always be susceptible to sin. Jesus says, the devil has no hold over me. And when we place our lives in Christ's hands, when we submit ourselves to him, the devil can have no power over our lives in Joshua 7 verse 13 Joshua says consecrate yourself consecrate yourself in preparation for tomorrow the word consecrate means to set yourself aside I used to watch that stuff but now I don't I used to go to that place but now I don't I used to go gambling but now I don't I used to go smoking but now I don't I we have to move and give ourselves distance from sin. So choose to set yourself apart for God. Leave the old man behind. Put to death the past. So you can be free from these things that grip your heart. See the Greek word for self-control. It comes from two words. Enkratos meaning to be in power or in charge we need to be in charge of ourselves self control is being in mastery in control being able to curb or restrain our own self how can we ever serve god if we can't control ourselves see we need to learn to get a grip of ourselves to get a handle on our emotions Sometimes we are led by how we feel. We go up and down according to the weather, football results or the things we've had for tea the night before. But we need to be people who are given over to God. Thea, the great commentator of the Old Testament, says this, Self-control is the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions and especially his sensual appetites. Self-control is the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, and especially his sensual appetites. So my last point this morning, before we come to a close. Who's ever seen the Truman Show? Great movie. This man, all his life and day was born, has lived in this bubble, thinking that this is the reality of his existence. And through a certain type of events, he realises there's something more to life than the bubble that he's living in. He's just part of a TV show, everyone's watching his life, but he's not free. His days are managed, his days are limited, he can't leave the island he's on, he can't go to Hawaii, he can't go anywhere because his life is contained. And so often we allow sin and habits to contain our lives. But God wants to set us free and the last scene in this great film, The Truman Show, he sails to the edge of his world and books into the wall, climbs the stairs and goes out through the door. Today is the day for you to go out through the door of limitation, of sin, of addiction, of fear, of slavery and to be free. God's heart is for us to be free and this is the great truth I want to share as we close. Achan was took out of the camp to a place called the Valley of Achan. The word Achan means trouble, failure, disaster, moral failure. But if you want to turn your Bibles to Hosea chapter 2 verse 15. There's this great sentence. This one verse from Hosea chapter 2 verse 15. and It says, I will give her back her vineyards. And I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came up out of Egypt. God is able to make the valley of failure, the valley of Acorn, the valley of disappointment, the valley of moral sin into a door of hope. You have to stay in the valley of Acor. You have to stay in disgrace or shame or trouble because God opens the door of hope for you. You say, Adrian, I've been going around cycles for years and years and years. There's just no way I'm going to be free. Today, there's hope. Someone once said, You can live 40 days without food, you can live three days without water, you can live eight minutes without oxygen, but you cannot live one second without hope. And today there's hope, and that hope is found in the name of Jesus. And it's able to set you free from everything that hinders you and holds you back. Amen. You're not destined for the cage, you're destined for the skies. It's time to unfurl our wings and to fly to the things that God has called us into. The thing is, we allow these habits, these addictions to grab hold of our hearts. But, I, but Hosea promises three things. Hosea chapter 2, 15 says, I will give you back the vineyards. Do you feel your life is barren? Do you feel your life is dry? Do you feel there's no fruit in your life? Today, God can give you back fruitfulness. Joel chapter 2, verse 25 says this I will repay you for the years that the locust has stolen. All the stuff that you've let the devil rob from your life, all the years of misery and sin and selfishness. God can repay you. There is hope. And it says you will sing again the songs you sang in your youth. Have you lost your soul? Have you lost your joy? When God opens the doorway of hope this morning, you can enter into the fruitfulness of your destiny and the joy of your destiny. That he will restore the song into your heart. Amen? Amen. See, there is hope. God desires today to set us free from the habits that bound us. God desires to set us free from the thoughts and the emotions that hold us captive. God will set us free from sin that has enticed and ensnared our lives. There's one great verse in 1 John says this for, the re- this, for this reason the Son of Man was made manifest. For this purpose was God made flesh, that he might destroy the works of the evil one. And the word destroy in Greek is luo, it's one of the basic words in Greek, luo. And it means to loose, to untie, to unbind. The reason Jesus came to the world was to untie those things that are bound. The reason why he came was to loosen the chains around our hearts. The reason he came was to set us free. And Jesus says in John 8, If the Son of Man sets you free, then you're free indeed. And maybe this morning i have missing it. Maybe there's no one here who has any problems with the internet or bad relationships, or gambling, or smoking, or addictions. Maybe there's no issues here about rivalry, or jealousy, or unforgiveness. Maybe you're such a bunch of godly saints, and I hope and pray you are. But if maybe there's one or two of you this morning, and you think, God, I know I'm bound. I'm in a cycle of activity that I really hate, but I can't escape from it. Today there's a doorway of hope we to ask to come back with our one last song as we conclude. Because I believe there's freedom today in the name of Jesus to set you and me free. In a moment I'm going to ask those who feel they're trapped in sin to stand to the feet. Today I'm going to ask in a few moments those who feel they're in a cycle of events. A cycle of emotions they just can't escape from. Whether it's anger, jealousy, addictions to pornography or chat rooms, whatever it is. This is God's moment to see you set free from these things. So as we sing this song I want to invite those who feel that tug in their heart to be free, to stand to their feet. But in order to not embarrass anybody this morning or to shame anybody, I'm going to ask us all to stand as we sing this song. Some will be standing because I've asked them to stand. Others are standing this morning because they know that something needs to change. But God knows your heart this morning. God knows the things you're battling with and the fight you're fighting but today there's a door of hope that God wants you to step through let's just open our hearts to God this evening, this morning there is hope there is freedom there's forgiveness there is joy Lord your word says where the spirit of the Lord is there's liberty where the spirit of the Lord is there's freedom and Lord we know and we sense this morning that you are here in this place Holy Spirit you're going come this morning to set people free from addictions from habits, from fears Holy Spirit move right now as we sing this song together, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will do a transaction in people's hearts. You'll bring them out of that cycle of sin and shame and into the liberty that you have for them. Let's worship God together. And as we worship, just allow the Holy Spirit to minister and to touch your life.